Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for This is the End. Sam! <laughs> I have the best we could ever plan. James Franco's having a giant party. <laughs> yes! This place is beautiful, man. This place is like a piece of me. You two just stepped inside me. You let us both come inside you. Yeah. Boom. Thanks, James Franco. Have you seen Michael Sarah tonight? What's up, Rihanna? Can't believe people still invite him places. Oh, don't touch my bubble, bitch. That's a weird face. So hot. What the f The sheriff's office is urging people to stay in their homes right now. Looting, rioting. For all we know, the Lakers could have just won, and that's the reason why all this is happening. I think it's the apocalypse. It's all in here. And he opened the bottomless pit. The sinkhole? Every single time I turn on the news, sinkhole in South America, a bunch of South Americans getting sucked into the ground. Sink cold in my ass. What you want, son? We should just stay in here, fortify this bitch, and take inventory of all the food we have. We got 12 bottles of water, 56 beers, Nutella, CT Crunch, a Milky Way. Can I have that Milky Way? No, you can't have the Milky Way. It's my special food. I like it. I want some of the Milky Way. I'd be pretty bummed if I don't at least get a bite of the Milky Way. What you want, son? This is my king. This is my lane. Get out of the way. What you want, hun? Watson showed up. You have to drink. There are six of us. You cannot rob us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hermione just stole all of our. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this afternoon's guest moderator, Elvis Mitchell, and today's guests, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Hello. Hey. Well, I got to ask you about when you guys met. What was the first thing that you connected with? In comedy terms, of the first thing you kind of made both of you laugh. The first thing that made both of us laugh? Yeah. Uh, Pro probably someone farting in school. Yeah, probably some uh, something immature, a dick joke, I would imagine, of some sort. Uh, yeah, something juvenile. We were 12 years old at the time, so clearly we've matured a lot since then. Yeah, that's what I was thinking if I saw the movie. Exactly, and made a much more escalated uh, piece of material. Uh, it's like the English patient in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Probably something pretty immature, I would imagine. Because <laughs> I was just wondering if there were movies, because you guys start working in comedy at such a young age and start writing together so young. Yeah. What, what were the movies that you guys connected with as kids uh, as you were coming up? Uh, we were both very big uh, Spaceball fans. Spaceballs we loved. And we, we took it upon ourselves to film our own Spaceballs that was the same movie but with worse we, jokes. We filmed a spoof of Spaceballs, and, which is and not many people attempt a spoof of a spoof movie. And I was we, the star and he was in none of it. Yeah, I directed it and Evan acted in it. That was so so we liked Spaceballs a lot. We loved Tarantino movies. We also like Pulp Fiction came out when we were like twelve, uh so or thirteen maybe. So we saw that and we're really into it. Uh Ghostbusters is a movie we really loved. 
Uh, and then we in like the Big Lebowski came out when we were in high school. That was yeah, a movie. That was, that was a game changer. Yeah, we were and really something about movie. Mary. I gotta say, yes, that, I'm a that Mary. Showed you yeah. stuff can get crazy. And South Park movie came out when we were in high school. That was very. Well, I love Canada so much. You had to love it. Exactly. Right? How do you not like that? How often is Canada going to be the star of a movie? <laughs> Well, it's funny you saying Ghostbusters, though, because I told you guys when I was uh, backstage with you that there's like a really like loud noise of what I call the Ghostbusters mix. That way that they use like, you know, noise and, and sound to be scary as much as anything else. Yeah. Uh, we when we first made the movie, we totally didn't expect it to actually be scary at all. <laughs> and then we started screening like we hoped it would be. But we always had lots of jokes just in case. Did you think that you couldn't deliver a scary movie? We thought maybe yes. we couldn't deliver a scary movie. We thought we'd give it our best and that we'd fail. Yeah. And then maybe we wouldn't do it. But that at least very Canadian. Exactly. But at least it would be funny. So then we started screening it and we found there were like genuine moments that actually terrified people, which was good. We thought. Because uh, it's supposed to be scary sometimes. And then we actually, uh, yeah, we, a Ghostbusters action movie, we looked out sound wise because they do use a lot of really loud noises. And we kept making our movie really loud at times. And whenever we were like, is it too loud? Our mixer would be like, Ghostbusters is really loud. We were like, okay, sure, make it loud then. Yeah, our mixer also did Batman. And he kept saying, like, are you going to tell me I'm wrong here? Yeah, it's loud. Yeah, People like Batman. loud. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you want it to be as scary as it was funny? Because that's a tough mix to pull off. I think we wanted it to be funnier overall than it was scary. Yeah, all uh, the scary sequences had a lot of jokes, but we slowly removed them because it just seemed like people like to be frightened and then the release of a good laugh. Yeah, uh, but it's, yeah, I wouldn't say it's like 50-50, but we wanted it to like when it was, we wanted the threat to be real. I think like when we made Pineapple Express, we learned that like, as dumb as ever the guys are, like, like you really feel like they might get killed by these guys, and like they seem dangerous, and that seemed to make the movie funnier. And so with this movie, we just thought like the more real the threat seems, and the more it seems like they could actually die, um, then the funnier it would be when we're running around like idiots. Well, that's funny you mentioned that too, because even with a sh- super bad, I mean, fear and comedy is something you guys kind of work in a lot, isn't it? That can be our biography one day. Exactly. We're very afraid. Uh, yeah, it seems like the more scared or the worse off the characters are in general, then the funnier the movie generally is. And the more kind of stressful a situation your main characters are in and the higher the stakes are, then like the funnier it is. Like, that's why I never got like a show, you know, like on Entourage, like everything's awesome for them and they're able to make that funny for people. And like, there's really like nothing's wrong. It's always like, man, this is great. Like, I hope I get those shoes. And it's like, great, I got them. And like, I always thought, like, wow, I couldn't make a comedy about just everything going awesome for people all the time. To us, the opposite was funny, is like everything going wrong for people all the time. You know? Not sure they made a comedy of it either, but anyway, yeah, what exactly. I want to say <laughs> is that, that that idea of a real threat being part of, of the comedy is really key to the way you work, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it just seems like, again, like the higher the stakes, the more... And like all those movies that we really like, like in Back to the Future and in like, you know, Ghostbusters, like again, these movies that kind of collide like comedy... And supernatural, like the ones that do it really well, like you feel like it's real, like when it's supernatural, like they give total weight to it, and then it makes it, you know, funnier for the comedians to be reacting to it. And in this movie, we kill a lot of people early on, so you really feel like anyone might die at any at any moment, which uh, is nice because once you off Rihanna, all bets are off. <laughs> Well, I guess you guys need to see it now. Yeah. But <laughs> I guess what I find myself thinking about the movie too is just the way you use even like 
uh, horror movie references for comedy, like Rosemary's Baby, which yeah. made me laugh out loud, that, that Rosemary's Baby bit. Yeah, we like to call it an homage. It's an homage to Rosemary's yeah. Baby. For legal yes, reasons, it's we're not ripping off these movies. It's uh, it's an homage. <laughs> a tip of the hat, if you will. Yeah, we kind of uh, just watched all our absolute favorites and kind of just pulled little bits from all sorts of things. We we liked the suspense that Rosemary's Baby had as a movie, and yeah. The Exorcist was terrifying, obviously. Yeah, and movies like The Thing, movies where people were like isolated, alone, and like these horrific situations. Yeah, and in, in The watched. Thing, like anything could happen. You never knew who was or wasn't The Thing. Yeah. So we kind of wanted that, like stay on your toes, so that when you yeah. it's funny, you'll laugh extra hard. The Mist hard is a movie we watched a lot. Yeah, yeah I mean, under underrated film. Under very underrated. There's a scene that's a I was going to say a complete rip off, but I'll say a complete homage of I The Mist. Gonna, <laughs> I was going to say yes, it's, it's, it's very much a tribute. It was it? a tribute, yes. <laughs> but but each one of those scenes that's a, a quote from another film, you end with a laugh. Yeah. Yeah, you try to make it funny. I mean, it's uh, we have funny guys, and overall, it's a comedy. Like you want it to kill, and like you want it to be super funny. And again, when the characters are in these like super tense, stressful situations, it's easy for them to be funny. And the dynamic is good between the guys. So like you get like this guy hates this guy, and this guy thinks this guy's a coward. So it's easy for them to come up with jokes, you know, in these crazy situations basically well you were saying the thing i think the thing and they live which are also about not knowing who's who and yeah. just that sort of the, the, there's also a lot of comedy in, in john carpenter's the thing because these guys yeah. are just screaming at each other in exactly room. yeah nothing's funnier than guys screaming at each other that's what we think apocalypse now we watched a lot that has a lot of guys stuck together screaming at each other as they're slowly dying off <laughs> yeah, that was the reference i was looking for apocalypse now exactly that's, it's yeah. a big classic film like apocalypse exactly now. it's a lot like that movie if you like apocalypse now you'll love this is the end <laughs> put that quote on the poster from you yeah but uh, one of the things that i was kind of thinking too is just i wondered in those scenes when it's the guys in the room how much of that is stuff that was written versus improvisation uh, it's kind of like 50-50 on this movie. Every time we write a script, we try to write as good a script as we can and hope that none of the actors can top it. But these guys, you know, they're good at improving, so we kind of just let them do what they want to do. And in the end, I'd say half the script is in there and half of it's completely made up. Uh, there's full scenes that have not a line of dialogue. So in the end, it'll say written by us, but it's a little bullshit. Shh! <laughs> <laughs> Well, good thing this isn't going out online, so yeah, nobody exactly. will know. No one will know. Don't worry. It's okay. <laughs> but I just found myself wondering, too, for you guys as directors, because it's really a character piece as much as it is anything else, which I was kind of really thrilled by, because I was expecting to be... I mean, it is broad, but everybody does have a... They start off as being these kind of archetypes, but they become characters. And I just wondered about your directing that. Um, I mean, it really... It was more in the writing that that was a challenge. There's a lot of characters in the movie. Like, there's six main guys. Like, we never made a movie... We're used to making movies that really focus on like two or maybe three guys. Um, hey, you're being generous with three. It's yeah, exactly. Two. It's usually two and a half at best. So, uh, so yeah, it was it was interesting to try to really come up with like a group dynamic, and um, and what we settled on ultimately was kind of to make it about like new friends versus old friends, which is something that we kind of related to. I mean, I moved out to L.A. and Evan lived in Canada when we were like 20 and then he came out to LA and he like really didn't get along with a lot of the friends I had and they didn't get along with him that well at first and I think it's something that was like very relatable and universal this idea of kind of being stuck between two groups and so 
once we came up with that, it made it a lot easier. And then and then we kind of just worked on like making the dynamic between the guys interesting. Like Franco hates Danny, and Jonah likes Jay, and Jay hates Jonah, and I hate you know, and Franco likes me, and I don't like Danny, you know. And then we would slowly start working out that stuff. So every guy had like a lot of place to go. And then once you're making it, the guys are all so good that they kind of keep themselves on track uh, for the most part. Yeah. So I just wonder if there's like a, you guys had a reading and then sort of said, well, okay, this is what you're going to play. And or people use the, the script, even in the reading, is kind of a taking off point from there. Well, uh, we composed the idea for the film. And then before we wrote anything, we went to all six of the main guys and asked them if they wanted to be in it first. Because we didn't want to spend a lot of time writing something for, you know, James Franco. When in the end, it was going to be Ryan Gosling. It'd be a totally different joke. And so then once we did that... An equally funny joke. Yeah. <laughs> and handsome. <laughs> but yeah, and then we sat down with each of the dudes one at a time and worked on their story. Like, we, we got Jonah's story totally wrong, and so we rewrote it with him. And Franco's character wasn't in love with Seth, so he suggested he should be in love with Seth. And uh, yeah, you know, stuff that like that. That wasn't my idea. <laughs> but I liked it once he suggested it. <laughs> well, what's, what's really kind of funny about the movie, given that you were like grew up with socialists, is that the real hell is about selling out. Yeah, movie, exactly. It? it is, which is something that we do on a regular basis. So we uh, <laughs> have a lot of firsthand knowledge with that. Yeah. But, it's, but it's an interesting sort of subtext to put the movie like this. About it is. That celebrates famous people. I mean, like, it's making fun of it all. Like, I think it's, like, partially, like, a satire, I guess you would say. Like, I think we're really trying to make our own lifestyles seem as, you know, empty as they have the potential to be <laughs> if you don't, you know, go out of your way in a lot of ways to become a good person despite the jobs we have. Like, I think that it, it breeds, you know, being an actor and having getting paid a lot of money to do a job that like really isn't that difficult on the grand scale of things um i think that has the potential to breed a terrible you know lifestyle and personality and that's i think one of the things we're commenting on in a yeah, lot of ways this whole movie is seth's attempt to not sell out too to hard. not seem like an asshole yeah and i did that by playing a gigantic asshole <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i just feel in a, in a way it almost feels like a 70s movie to me in that way that's really very, very much attacking sort of like commercialism. Yeah, it's a big commercial movie attacking commercialism. <laughs> you don't see that every day, but that's, uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is in a lot of ways. Because that, that makes me wonder if it was like an easy thing to get through because it's pretty contemptuous of like, you know, conspicuous consumption. The only issue anyone had when we were trying to get it made was them playing themselves. Yeah. It, it, they seemed to care about nothing else. They just were worried that the guys shouldn't play themselves. It was why, weird. Why, why was that? I think they're afraid. I mean, and it, it was a valid fear. And like, thank God the movie's been largely well reviewed so far. But it's like those few bad reviews we've gotten like tap in exactly to what they're afraid of, which is like it could just come off like self indulgent ridiculousness. Is kind of like the fear that it's like that's your worst case scenario in a movie like this. Like when in real life, like we really did it to entertain the audience and it's like supposed to be self-referential more than self-indulgent, hopefully. But it was all born out of the idea that like this should be hilarious for people. Like people want to see us make fun of ourselves and make fun of celebrity life in general, you know. But I think, yeah, their fear was that it would maybe just come off like we were uh, wanking ourselves off in a major way <laughs> by playing ourselves. Uh, and yeah, so that was what I think they were mostly afraid of, was the wanking implications. But it's, well, there's certainly enough wanking references in the movie, yes. but, <laughs> but it's also it's making fun of self-indulgent behavior, so it's kind of a weird sort of 
criticism I have of the movie. I know. I think they're just afraid that people wouldn't get it and that it could be like conceptually just something that like put people off and and what we found is just the opposite. Like conceptually it seems to be like the thing that people are kind of most interested in the movie in a way because it's original and you don't you I mean there's never I don't think been like a big movie like this where people play themselves. So I think like for the reasons that to us and to a lot of people it was exciting, to them it was horrifying because no one had ever done it and therefore they didn't know if it would work or not basically. But they did it. They did it though. Can they you believe it? it? But that, yeah, they they did. But was that always your original idea that it was going to be people playing themselves and yeah? Well, the the, the uh, apocalypse idea and people playing themselves were separate, and it took us a few apocalypse years. Apocalypse idea goes back to uh, Seth and Jay versus the apocalypse. Yeah, we made a short film in two thousand six that you, was like you about can view it on your iPhone, iPad, or iPad <laughs> or Mini, iPad Mini, <laughs> which um, is very different in tone. It's really claustrophobic. That 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 short. Yeah, it's very dark and claustrophobic, and it, but it is about me and Jay stuck in a house together, kind of as the world's ending. Um, and we made it really fast, and we were younger then, so it, it's not as good as we probably could have done now. But the idea was always funny: is just guys stuck in a house during the world ending and we always kind of separately were very entertained by the idea of celebrities playing themselves but in like a supernatural way like we would always joke about making a movie where like I was shooting a movie at the Sony lot and Busta Rhymes was making a midi music video there and then like aliens attack and the movie's like me and Busta Rhymes versus aliens um, so it's clearly in 1999. Yeah, this, yeah this, this dates us a little bit today it'd be me and ASAP Rocky versus aliens but um it was uh, an idea that just always made us laugh was kind of starting at like a Seinfeld or like Larry Sanders episode and then having it spin off into this like crazy supernatural place. And then we combine the ideas and that's pretty much exactly what this movie is. Well, I give people a sort of sense of what you're doing in terms of horror, par uh, sorry, tribute. Do we, have, <laughs> yes. do we have the clip ready? Can we show the clip? Let's take a look at the clip. I'm sorry, that was just so emotional. Yeah, I, exactly. It's like the English patient. Uh, yeah, now, yeah. I, now I get it. With an audience, <laughs> yeah. it makes all the sense exactly. in the world. <laughs> but again, I mean, the way you use noise, the lighting, I mean, it's, 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 were you worried about pulling off that kind of stuff in a way that made it make its own kind of uh, sort of narrative logic but still be funny? Because that's, that's the kind of hard thing to do because people see The Exorcist so much. Yeah. We kind of just had a good team. The director of photography, Brandon Trost, really, yeah. really talented. He did like 
Ghost Rider too, so he can do the big crazy stuff. He also did MacGruber, so he knows like funny gritty stuff, and he's kind of got a strange. Yeah, gritty. Resume. That's the word I use for MacGruber. Exactly. <laughs> Halloween two. That movie yeah, was he does, terrifying. He does, he does Rob Zombie's movies, so he had done a lot of. Horror movies. And your um, editor works with uh, the, that North Carolina crowd a lot. Yeah, we met him through David Gordon Green. He did Observer and Report uh, with Jody, and he did Fifty Fifty also, which uh, he did a great job on. I mean, we we really were just like we want to make it look like a horror movie. I mean, at times, and when it was dramatic, we wanted to make it look like a dramatic movie. And in comedy, as simple as that seems, they, people don't do it that often. Like a lot of comedies just look the same, and they're very bright and flat and. And when we met with the DP, we were just like, we want it to look like like a whole, like we want it to be dark with light and there can be flares and there can be kind of pops of shadow. And yeah, we just I, kept saying just because it's a comedy doesn't mean it can't look good, yeah, which I, seems to be an unofficial rule. Yeah, people discovered. don't want to do that. So he was really excited about it. And then, and then we just did it. That's what's crazy. They just let you do what you want. They don't let come by and ask you what you're doing at a certain number we were below the number where they come and bother yeah you. we were the number where we could tie jonah to a bed and exercise him <laughs> which is a good number but it's funny too because not only do comedies not, not often look good but they often don't have a look yeah and that was really the look the look changes from act to act in the movie doesn't yeah it? yeah we kind of made it go in the beginning we want to kind of look a little more normal we would say like a regular movie i wanted to look nice but uh, a little more like a traditional comedy and then once the apocalypse happens, we kind of go into like apocalypse now mode a little bit. It's like hot golden light that like is blasting through all the windows kind of from every direction. And we board it up so it's kind of like blasting through the beams. It's also a little bit like the thing as well. When the light yeah, is a little bit the from the thing. Yeah, and we drop into the basement. We have like these dark, like that's directly out of the thing lighting wise. Um, and then uh, and then at the end we leave, which is kind of a whole new world opens up. And Yeah, uh, for some people the Backstreet Boys would be hell, yeah. but that's another conversation. <laughs> but Everything I, goes crazy. <laughs> one of the things that I thought was really kind of, kind of funny about the movie too is just that the fact that in each act it is like a very different looking movie. And the, for the a long section of the movie, it's basically all nighttime. Yeah. Well, we knew you'd be stuck in this house for a long time with these guys, so we knew that we had to mix it up or you'd get bored. Yeah. If it was just the same lighting, people would go a little cabin fevery, and that's not what you want in a theater full of people. Yeah, you want it to feel like they. Yeah, we, that was literally it. You, you just varied it up to make it interesting at times. And since like the world is ending, there's no you don't need a rhyme or a reason really for the lighting. You could have the sun coming in from every direction, which you can't really do normally. I mean, it gives you a lot more freedom in a lot of ways. But one of the things I was kind of nervous to bring up when I asked you guys backstage and you were vibing with it was it reminded me of the old EC horror comics of the 50s, too, where that kind of terror is really in your face and yeah. the things that are like the everyday things just become completely horrifying. Yeah, I mean, we really... And I think a lot of the movies that we were raised on, especially, I think those guys were very... Like Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson and stuff like that. Like, I think, like, the comics are almost probably the, you know, the motivation, you know, probably more the inspiration for the people whose movies we watched when we right, were young. I mean, young. hell is very much yeah. like an AC comic. Yeah, and, like, Guillermo del Toro's uh, early movies, like that stuff. I mean, he's really in all that stuff, too. So, yeah, I mean, when we were young, we loved, like, B-horror movies and all that stuff where it's just disgusting. 
explicit and explicit. And it is almost so gross. There's like, we realize there's like a violence level you can hit where it like stops being scary and gross and becomes funny. Yeah, I and think that, it was the movie Evil Dead 2 that kind of changed us in that regard. Yeah, and there's you're just a like, sequence where gets, he hacks his own hand off and it's funny and that yeah. shouldn't be funny, but yeah. it was. And I remember in Pulp Fiction, we would always reference the scene where they blow the guy's head off in the back of the car is super funny for no reason whatsoever. Like, it's just their reactions to it is funny, but it's like they do kill a guy in the back of their car in the middle of a conversation, uh, but it, it got huge laughs and that kind of stuff definitely we reference a lot as like violence that elicits a nice reaction. That's sort of violence where you're not you can't quite look and you sort of look and laugh anyway you're exactly. kind of turning away. It's kind of a scream laugh yeah. Yeah exactly but one of the things that really kind of comes out in this and it's kind of been something you guys have done even the things that you haven't written you've been in Seth but definitely things you've, you've, you've worked on together is just about sort of guys jealousy I mean guys getting yeah. jealous of each other yeah we think, like, just exploring guys' petty emotions is funny. <laughs> I mean, I think guys have a hard time expressing themselves, and and it just gets funny when, like, when that's what a movie's about to us. Like, in the in this, like, even this movie, it's like a giant end-of-the-world movie, and what it's really about is, like, me and Jay aren't as good friends as we used to be, and we're having a hard time talking about that, you know? And, and, and... To us, that's what makes the movies work. It's like as crazy and ridiculous as they are, they're kind of anchored by like a very simple, emotional, emotional idea that's hopefully relatable to people. So they'll go with you on this weird adventure that involves, you know, Jonah getting exercise and all this ridiculous stuff because at its core, there's like something that they relate to, which is like, will these guys be friends or not, you know? Um, and I think that's something that helps, especially when you're making a movie this, you know, insane. It's got to feel real then in character terms, doesn't it? Yeah, it's got to be real, right? Like, Oh, we keep it real. <laughs> yeah, you and Buster Rhymes, that, obviously. Yeah, yeah, that's our writing mantra. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, even yet, this thing about going back to Superbad, which you guys wrote for a long time, um, that friendship kind of falls apart at one part of the movie. And that that kind of happens in a lot of the movies, these really close relationships when guys kind of disintegrate and have to reform themselves. Well, that was something that Judd Apatow actually had to teach us. We just wrote super bad to end with them like walking away, and yeah. uh, and he explained what we didn't realize we'd done and how we'd made a story about friendship and and we knew we'd made a story about friendship but not about a separation and and hidden emotions. So he kind of explained that to us and that kind of cracked our minds open forevermore. Yeah, and it taught us to like look into what we're really writing about because it's not even always clear to you at first when you're writing it, you know. And was that the case with this as well? And that you uh, weren't quite sure what it was as you was at, when you started on it. I think this one was kind of different because there were so many components. Yeah, and we've gotten a little better at it over the years. I think at like starting out with the idea. We've had a few yeah. discussions about our emotions. <laughs> exactly, we, we learned a lot. <laughs> we're a lot closer now. I get him way more now. Yeah, the closer we get, the better the movies get. Thank God you got. Doesn't like it. when you make jokes about him being Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with it. <laughs> But I guess I thought, too, the also the way that you guys use music in movies is really interesting to me. I mean, the music in each sort of scene tells us who and what these people are and what's going on around them. Yeah, I mean, we kind of wanted to... You know, there's times where the music was directly meant to represent almost like a time when the song came out, like, uh, era-wise. Like, there's a scene where they're hanging out, so we thought, like, we would pick a song that they would have listened to when they were 18 years old and they first started hanging out. Like, the music has, like, a nostalgic vibe to it at times. 
Um, and at times, yeah, it's very much kind of what the characters are imagining the music to be in their heads almost, like the soundtrack kind of that they picture. Um, yeah, and we, we actually uh, made a mistake initially and tried to do the whole movie gospel. Yeah. We did the entire film with a gospel soundtrack. We even recorded some original gospel songs <laughs> no. that our executive producers <laughs> yeah, wrote. That a bunch of Jews wrote. <laughs> and the, uh, choir, the choir was confused. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. We don't, thought, do that. We thought, yeah. don't do that. We thought it was going to be cool. We and thought it would be earth-shattering. No one liked it. Maybe yeah. in Canada it might have played. Yeah. But here, no, no, no. You, you can't write new gospel music? <laughs> no, you can't write <laughs> exactly new gospel right. music. One can't? <laughs> but no, I mean, so when you tried that, though, then you reformed the music idea too, right? About making because the music is very specific. Even when they walked into that party at the beginning, and there was an old funkadelic song. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, good, good eye. Good eye. I'm I mean, the, yes, sorry. It's always honestly a mix of also just music that we really like <laughs> and that sets the vibe <laughs> well, you know. But that is from Superbad. Funkadelic yeah. also is one of the things. And there's a scene where Franco's in a band, obviously, and his his music is playing in the background of one of the scenes where we're talking about we should make a sequel to our own movie. It might be the most meta scene ever in the history of a movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, we would we, we would always look for stuff like that also to kind of include, to just add another layer of weirdness to the movie. <laughs> well, just watching all these things to get ready for this, something you often tend to include too is like a big party that has like five, four or five different parties going on in it. I mean, yeah. which means you've been at a lot of parties where you're just like hanging out and watching, right? Yeah. Yeah, you end up watching a lot of weird stuff at Hollywood parties. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I just, at one time I was at a party up in the Hollywood Hills and Paris Hilton was alone in the kitchen and I just saw her kind of like look around and eat a bunch of food really fast and it was exhilarating for me. Yeah. <laughs> I got that story for life. Yeah. <laughs> that was a funny, I remember that. You were like, she just ate macaroni and cheese with her hands. <laughs> and you were on the balcony and some fancy producer went, watch this, and threw a bunch of glasses off his own balcony. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, he was, like, cleaning up all the wine glasses and he was, like, gonna take them in to, like, clean them. And then he just decided it would be easier to just throw them off his balcony, <laughs> which he did. And, uh... It was bizarre. But, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like that, though, because I can't think of anybody else who does party scenes where it's not just one party. I mean, parties always kind of micro. Yeah, they break up into little parties, yeah. Uh, in one area, yeah, you sit down and talk to the couple yeah, guys. We, you know, the say-anything party is like that. I always think that's, like, the party that, like... And the first, like, whole act of that movie is a party. And that's, like... It's so cool, because, like, outside there's one thing, and then the living room, like, they're playing guitar, and there's a bunch of people listening, which is kind of like what we did in this movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, and we kind of <laughs> clumped our people together how they might actually be in life a bit. Like, yeah. Martin Starr and David Krumholtz and Jay are friends, so we put them in a life-threatening situation together. Yeah. And, like, Kevin and uh, Jason Siegel once had a TV show they almost made together, together so yeah. we put them in a scene together. Yeah. No, I just thought that was... that's That, to me, is... Because, again, that first act feels like it's another movie. Then when all the other things dis disappear, finally, even that scene where all these guys are together, it's still that kind of microcosm where each thing kind of represents this different aspect. And I was wondering if that's something that came in writing for you guys or if Judd helped you a little bit with that, too. Um... I think, like, again, Judd really taught us, like, how to lay out these emotional stories, like, from the get-go, you know? Like, he's the one who was, like, again, the movie should be about something emotional. And then, but I, I think, like, uh, in the writing of this, it was really just about working the dynamics and keeping the story going as best as possible. Like, again, we knew it's, like, about guys stuck in a house 
for the the middle chunk of the movie. So you're really thinking like, how can you keep this interesting? How can you keep it going forward? And then you also think like, how would people you know react in that situation? And you think like, you know, one guy would probably just lose it and go off the rails. What would you do? You try you try to make rules. Like, would everyone follow the rules? What if they don't follow the rules? Like, you probably need water. What if you don't have water? How do you get water? How do you decide who has to go get it? Like, where do you go to the bathroom? What do you do if you don't have water? What do you eat? Like, there was a lot of conversation just like, what would we do if we were in that situation? Yeah, and you with know? Super Bad or Pineapple Express, it was just two guys, one dynamic stretched across a whole movie. And in this, we have six guys plus a few more with interacting emotions and issues. So it kind of filled in the whole thing a bit better once we got into their emotional beefs with one another. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you had to do, too, and your first time doing is really impressive. You have to keep the action clear, which I'm yeah. sure as you learn when you're editing, is a really hard thing to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And we're fans of action movies like where you can see what the hell is happening. <laughs> like, I think we were raised on that, like, Spielbergian action, you know, where you get, like, a good geographical sense of, like, like Indiana Jones. You get the tanks driving into the thing, and that thing's happening to the thing. And, like, that's the kind of action that we like where you... You're not struggling to piece together what's happening, you know? You get you get what it is, and that was always important to us. But at the same time, we wanted to feel like you were in the middle of it, which is, you know, at times a tricky balance to strike, I guess. But yeah, I was going to say, after having worked on, like, The Green Hornet, which was a lot of action, and this movie now, uh, our, our fellow producer James Weaver had a good line, which is, I'm much more impressed with whoever made Fast Six as I am with who made Argo. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> like, that, like yeah. fa- we saw Fast Six the other day. Like that's like actually that's really like the hard. hardest thing yeah. to make in the world. It's true. Yeah, I got yeah, a guy fast, on a Jeep. Fast who's Six not is on harder to make than the English Patient, definitively. <laughs> you just need I a have, cave. I have, no, I have no response to that, <laughs> yeah. so I just go to another question. But we're not saying better, just harder just to make, harder to a- achieve. So you're just implying better, but you're exactly. not saying. Better. I'm not saying the result. I never is saw the English Patient. <laughs> I didn't either. I, I don't even know what it's about. It's about six guys stuck in a house, right? No, it's the pilot's <laughs> now, nurse now, Jackie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Now, now I need to see it again after this conversation. <laughs> but I mean, I was really impressed with that too, because especially the last third of the movie, which is really almost all action. Yeah. Just keeping that stuff clear, and so also keeping. Something specific, so we know what each character is going through. That seemed like the part that must have been the hardest, both to shoot and to edit. Am I mistaken in that? Um, it was a little tricky. It wasn't that bad, actually. I mean, it's kind of fun to do that stuff. And we planned it all out. We did storyboarding and some previs, but like that was actually the stuff we were most excited to do. But it was definitely twice as much. No, four times more time in a dark little room. With laser pointers than yeah. we ever imagined. Yeah, the visual effects stuff was really hard. Like, to get to the visual effects to the point where it looked in any way passable, like, you don't realize how much... I thought you just, like, send a bunch of... You know, you say, like, oh, there's a monster chasing guys down the hall, and they just send you back, you know, a monster chasing guys down the hall. But that's not how it is at all. You really have to talk about the lighting and the, the how it's integrated and think of ways to make it more integrated and more realistic. Uh, can you add a reflection or shadow or maybe... You can move that curtain as it runs by or something and that stuff we had never done and was really a lot, lot more time talking about how shadows would play off a penis than we thought yes exactly <laughs> you'll know why when you see the film <laughs> Funny, i just saw the english patient again exactly um, but that's what you're talking about i mean you know the devil's dick is a very big is in the movie yes that would have been a better title probably the devil's dick would have been a great movie actually man you can't, you can't have that yeah <laughs> where were you that's going with my jewish gospel songs my exactly <laughs> But I mean, just the, the idea of visualizing the devil was a, had to be a, a, an interesting thing too. I mean, how did you guys work that out? 
I mean, like all the all the uh, demon stuff in the film, any kind of thing like that, we're trying to base on you know proper Christian scripture of like the actual apocalypse. As, as good Christians, I guess. As, as, good as, Christians. as, as we do. In between writing our gospel songs, <laughs> yes, we we, re, we, we reimagine read the, of- the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true. We. Um, <laughs> We did read the book of Revelations, and we kind of based a lot of it off of, I mean, what is in there, you know? Uh, there's a beast with seven heads and all that. And yeah, we, and like we, we had to like, cut stuff. There's a lot. Yeah, there's, it gets there's a lot crazy. of wacky stuff in there. So, uh, yeah, we really, I, I mean, and, and visually we wanted to feel kind of iconic, like what you would expect almost the apocalypse to look like in some ways. And we also kind of based it off of like uh, heavy metal album art. <laughs> very, very much that. It was yeah. like because the, the villain stepped out of Spinal Tap. Or exactly, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, getting back to that that thing with the, the devil too, though, I was finding still thinking of Alien, where in the shadows, it's different from one point to another. Like the, the creature almost evolves. It looks Definitely. Like- yeah. We, uh, well, Alien was a movie we looked at a lot, actually, because... Yeah, I mean, it's Alien is a much better movie than our movie. I should say that immediately. <laughs> but it's a good how like again, it's about a bunch of people kind of stuck in and a little kind of a haunted house place, movie. And it's kind of a haunted house movie. There's there's something attacking them. They don't know what it is. There's kind of a lot of bait, debate as to what's happening exactly and what the best way to deal with it is. And it actually doesn't reveal what's happening for like a little while into the movie, which is kind of something we tried which, which, which to you do. Which you did here, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, that was definitely something that we looked at and talked about, you know, how early to reveal it is it, do you drag it on a bit do you kind of build the suspense of what's happening and that was all stuff we we tried very much to do you have something and i feel like you covered it pretty well there. <laughs> that sense, I just think even the size of the creature kind of changed in the, in the way it does an alien too yeah so you can't really i mean which is a way to really sort of unsettle people if they don't know what they're going to see isn't well, it? it also started from a place where we thought we could only afford like one such sequence yeah and really? then it kind of grew a bit and we figured out other ways to do things that was that was the biggest challenge was understanding how money would apply to visual effects that haven't happened. Yes, exactly, because <laughs> it happens later. Because we'd just never done that dance before. We'd never done a, a visual effects run from start to finish. The Green Hornet had like two visual effects. It's true. Da- that movie was effects. so expensive we could actually just blow everything up. <laughs> this movie, you have to fake it. Yeah. And you even shot in, in New Orleans. We shot all in New Orleans, yeah, which was awesome. I recommend that. Because one of the things, I guess we, and on that note, do yeah. we, are we doing audience questions here? Are we doing that? We're also very knowledgeable about Apple products. Exactly. If, if you have any questions about we that, can give you some tips. Uh, first off, I want to say thank you for coming and you know putting some excitement into this boring rainy Monday. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Anytime. Uh, what I want to know is, you know, you've worked with uh, a lot of these actors in a couple of movies already. I want to know, does it get easier over time? Do you work more smoothly with each other, or do you start to get on each other's nerves? Uh no, it gets easier. <laughs> definitely. Uh, uh, no. Yeah, no, it gets it definitely gets easier. I think um you know, as the actors work more with other direct other people, I think when you're younger there is like a, a novelty, everyone's excited and young and is kind of, you know, there's a just an enthusiasm. They'll do shittier level. stuff They'll because do, yeah, they're they're trying they're to make qu- themselves famous. <laughs> they maybe question things less a little bit every now and then. Um, and now I think, yeah, the guys are all more experienced, so maybe, they, maybe they're probably smarter in what they question, but it might make our jobs a little bit harder every now and then because 
they won't just dive into something that they would have dived into maybe 10 years ago. But uh, I think every, that it's probably just they've wised, you know, they've grown wiser with age. They're probably um, stopping us from making them do stuff that's stupid also. That's horrible, yeah, generally speaking. But, no, I mean, we've known them all, like, you know, half the people in this movie were, like, at my wedding. Like, they're, they're very, you know, they're good friends of ours. Craig literally played the piano as Evan walked down the aisle at his wedding. Like, we've all, we're all really good friends, so it definitely is easier to work with yeah, friends wh- than When it's friends. not working with somebody in this profession, you know in about three days, and you just steer clear of them. It's, it's always quite apparent, you know? Yeah, we work well with all these guys. But that begs the question, though. I'm glad you brought that up. What is it like to direct friends? I mean, because you, you're, you're the boss now. You're not just being pals anymore. It's awesome. It's fun to tell your friends what to do, and they have to listen. It's great. You have to listen to them when they want to tell you something, though. It's true, you do. There's a which, give and take, which sucks. But other than, no, it's uh, <laughs> no, it's really fun. And and we 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 met like all these guys through work. So like it all started through like a good working relationship. But it is a different relationship, obviously, isn't it? A little bit, but like we tried to make it feel the same. Like we've always been very involved in pitched lines and jokes, and like we've always we've always done that on the other. Yeah, movies. like we've never officially directed any of them, but we have we've directed minutely we've directed. We've definitely them. directed each and every one of them at a, at a moment before this movie. Like on Superbad and Pineapple Express, Greg Matola and David Gordon Green were very inclusive, and they would be like, you just tell the actor that line. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes we would just go up, and we would be able to pitch shots and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, it was we'd kind of done it. Okay. Hi, guys. Uh, I actually saw the movie about three weeks ago, and I just wanted to really thank you guys for making the funniest movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> I'm not even kissing off or anything. It really is the funniest movie I've ever seen. Thanks. Um, just wondering, with the cameos and everything, uh, did you write them in like that, or did the actors call you and say they wanted to do it, like Michael Sarah wanted to be Scarface? Yeah. <laughs> um, they went about the different cameos differently. Um, Michael Sarah, we knew we wanted someone who like was just like the opposite of how you would expect them. So Michael's like the sweetest kid ever, so we thought he should be like a coked out sexual deviant. Um and and that was good. Uh a lot of the people we were just friends with and like Jason Siegel and Kevin Hart and stuff and you know Mindy and um you know uh people like Aziz um and we just asked them to come and then we just improvised a lot of those scenes. We would kind of pair them up with people, be like, "You, Kevin, you, you and Siegel, go over there and talk." Yeah, and, uh, all we asked was, "Who don't you want to be teamed up exactly. with?" Exactly. <laughs> Is there anyone you hate for any reason? Um, but yeah, we improvised a lot of them. Uh, and but we asked everyone. We reached out to all those. people. I have to ask. I know you talked about this before, but the Rihanna slap, which yeah. I could feel myself. Rihanna slapped the shit out of Michael Sarah for real. Like she actually, and he asked for it. Yeah, he I said he asked for like that me. though, did he? Huh? I bet he was shocked by the slap, wasn't he? He was shocked. He, she like got his ear, I think he said, and it like it, like whacked his equilibrium off a little well, bit. He, he asked her, "Can I actually slap your butt?" And she said, "Yeah, but I'll actually slap your face." Yeah. And yeah, on on the third slap, he was like, uh, "I'm gonna go to my trailer and lie down for thirty yeah. minutes." <laughs> it's kind of like a law of physics. Yeah. yeah. Question over here. Yeah, like you said earlier, that you are so used to being a character. Like, for instance, Zack and Miri make a porno. You're a character. Super yeah. bad. You're a character. Have you ever done like a Freudian slip where, okay, I'm supposed to be myself in the film, but yet I'm slipping into a character? <laughs> well, luckily we are. Char- like, I, I, you know, I play Seth Rogen, and I've been in all the same movies that Seth Rogen has been in in this movie. But I'm not Seth Rogen in the movie. Like, I'm not married in the movie. I'm married in real life. I don't have a dog in the like. There's like like I. 
I'm a, I'm a vapid asshole for a large part of the movie, so I'm not generally that. So, uh, you know, even though we're playing ourselves and there's a lot of, like, circumstantial similarities between us in real life and us in the movie, mostly our resumes and just what you know about us, um, but the personal stuff is different, and, and, and we act behaviorally, I think, hopefully different in real life than we do in the movie. How would you define your character in the movie? I mean, how would you, uh, when you were, like, writing it for yourself, when you guys are working on, on Seth's character? I'd say his character is a cowardly <laughs> individual who wants to satisfy people Danny McBride from a calls good, me a, good heart, a duplicitous calls, taint. He calls me a duplicitous taint in the movie, and I think... That that is an accurate description for my I'd character. say a duplicitous taint with a heart of gold. Exactly. A but duplicitous way, taint with a heart of but gold. But one way or another, the characters are all kind of duplicitous taints in the movie, aren't it's they? It's true. I think my guy's like trying to desperately to please everyone is really what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to like keep everyone together and happy. I'm kind of the reason everyone's there in like that in the first place in a lot of ways. And so my characters just desperately kind of like juggle all the guys' personalities and, and not let everyone go too far off the rails because I feel bad that I dragged Jay to the party in the first place, I think, basically. Another question of, from this side? Or? I read that uh, you made a sort of game to see who's going to uh, do the most things and actually who's going who's gonna to say I can't do this. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like, what sort of things did you ask them to do? Um, well, uh, so... Uh, out of the six main guys, we kind of had a game where we tried to get people to go too far and just <laughs> or, or reach, tell us they didn't want to say reach a, a point joke. where they wouldn't do something. Craig Robinson wouldn't say something terrible. I asked him to about Mother Teresa. Yeah, Jonah wouldn't say something about <laughs> performing sexual flavors for a spiritual figurehead. <laughs> and uh, Jay Baruchel wouldn't say anything bad about Canada. Yeah, Franco. Danny wouldn't moon us. He got self-conscious about it. He said, he said if we'd warned him if we beforehand, warned him, if he, he, he would have done it. slather makeup on his ass And then or Seth something. never yeah. didn't do anything because he knew he could cut it out in the end. Yeah. Uh, and Franco did anything. So pretty he, much. He took yeah. a, when he knew we were trying to get him to go too far, he would do it with extra zeal. He would zeal. go even further, yeah. So Franco's the champ. He won that game. You can't push James Franco too far. Let's thank these guys for being here. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us.